Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori, starting delayed, of course. It's <laughs> as if this is coming, becoming a reoccurring theme with all these technical difficulties. So it's April 8th, 2020, two days away from April 10th. Tomorrow should be quite interesting. Um, last night, I stayed up <laughs> to uh, put out a piece pretty much surmising uh, what I've been saying for months, which, well, it, well, February doesn't count as months, does it? So weeks. Um, they're laundering deaths. I mean, we saw it in China, which was startling because the information being received from China was so skewed, so bizarrely, um, I would like to say, conflicting and confusing uh, that, you know, you couldn't, obviously you're not going to trust anything that China has to say. And, you know, not just because they're China, okay, not because they're China, but because even Iran, one of the most terror sponsoring nations, the most corrupt nations can't even trust China. Why would you? That's the question you should ask yourself. If Iran's health ministry called out China for fake numbers and that their reports are just jokes. It should tell you everything you need to know. I mean, Iranian scientists, the scientists for Iran, for the people of Iran, are speaking up, are putting this out there, are making it known that they do not trust the numbers that are coming in from China, whereas, you know, the Ayatollah clown agency controlled regime uh, immediately runs and bows down to the Chinese. I mean, so think of it. Not even one of the most corrupt nations on this planet right now, the most untrustworthy nations of the planet right now trust the Chinese numbers yet, you know, we have our mainstream media promoting everything they do. So what is really going on here? Here's a video from an Instagram post from a woman who went uh, to Ohio State University's uh, clinic or hospital uh, because she had a fever. And here's what she had to say. Take a listen to this. But it take days. They tell us here it take 24 hours. You feel what I'm saying? They didn't swap me or test me or nothing. And look what the fuck paper say. Reason for visit? Fever. Diagnosis? COVID-19. They didn't test me for this shit. He told me I had it, bro. He didn't test me for it. He told me I fucking had it, bro. He told me I fucking had it, bro. Come on now. Come on now. Look at what. This is just one of many. Okay. One of many. And the question is, and uh, I apologize for the profanity of the user, but I would probably be riddling my rants with profanity if I was on the receiving end. So what is really going on here? I sent an email out uh, to Ohio's um, health department and asked them simple questions. And I gave him a deadline of noon because I have received reports uh, from people that work at the Cleveland Clinic that no matter how you die, no matter how you die, you are classified as a COVID patient. 
So I sent them an email and I said, I'd like for you to forward me a copy of the guidelines you've sent out to all the clinics and hospitals in the state of Ohio, outlining advice for physicians, physicians assistants, and advanced practice registered nurses who certify deaths. Now, I also said I would like to know the state of Ohio guidelines on determining cause of death for the Office of Vital Records and what constitutes a cause of death as coronavirus. So I said in bullet points, report coronavirus disease 2019 or COVID-19 on death certificate for all decedents where the disease caused their death is expected. But what about assumptions? And I continue, what if they had a heart attack but tested positive for COVID-19 before they died? COVID-19 on the death certificate? What if they had a heart attack but tested positive for COVID-19 after they died? COVID-19 on the death certificate? What if they were shot but were found, and this is highly specific, what if they were shot and they were found after toxicology and panels run that they were positive for COVID-19 is it assumed to have caused or contributed to death then? Please get back to me as soon as possible. A PDF would suffice, or you can answer the bullet point questions. Why am I saying this? We have African Americans all over the United States. Yes, in Chicago, they make up the majority of the population. And for some reason, African Americans are all getting coronavirus. All of them. Uh, there is a spike in deaths. Now, I have a source that works in a pathology lab somewhere in Chicago that is unwilling to go on the record because they like their job and told me that almost everyone that's come in from a gunshot wound has been classified as a coronavirus victim. Now, even though today we were going to talk about 5G, um, I actually have a pre-recorded 5G that I'll put uh, on my subscribe star. Um, actually, I was uploading and this is probably why I had technical difficulties. I was trying to upload the previous one on Greenland uh, from March 15th. So I have that um, that's coming right after the show once I reboot the computer and, you know, fix my little dilly dallying here. And um, I'll probably put the 5G episode there uh, because this is more important. Why do I say this? It is important for us to understand that there are many, many times in life that we see that pointing out the wrong just makes us look crazy. Or in essence, it aggravates people just pointing out what's wrong. So from the beginning, when I saw that the president of the United States had assigned a coronavirus task force and happened to include Pence, Burks, and Fauci, which are all PEPFAR, you know, members, gold-carrying members of PEPFAR, uh, you know, and they belong to the whole Bill and Melinda Gates, Soros, Paster, Astor, et cetera, et cetera, you know, group, um, I knew that what he was doing is letting them own it. He was parading them around so that they can own everything that they are shoving down people's throats. That is exactly what he's doing. And he is a genius. Because no one's going to hold him responsible if he was duped. Because you guys wanted the specialist. You trust the specialist. It's not like the president's an epidemiologist or a doctor. And if he dared, which he inferred at the beginning of this 
outbreak where he had already shut down the borders to China and said, you know what, we're going to contain this by not letting people in. They called him racist, but he knew that the mortality rate wasn't as high as they were saying. So he started to monitor incoming and outgoing global traffic, barring certain nations from being allowed to come in, which is not really true because even up until today, there are flights coming in from China. Actually, if you're not following this account, Milsec Ops, he put out a tweet showing that today. So he's like, I love the president, but it's not completely shut down. And, and that could be the repatriation, etc. But regardless, it is not shut down completely. This was just disallowing migration from China, not disallowing American citizens from coming from China back to the U.S. So... Huh. He stops it. He tells people, calm down. All right, all right. And they started to infer, oh, you don't trust us? Oh, you think that this is BS? All these people are dying? Look what's happening in China. By the way, Hong Kong, the whole conversation is gone, right? The protests. Uh, all of this is happening and you think it's funny? President Trump, oh my gosh. Oh, 25th Amendment, hey. So they're sitting, you know, waiting to thump the minute they can. The minute they can, they're waiting to thump. <laughs> and so he's like, whatever, here's your coronavirus task force. Ask them the questions. President Trump, give us the numbers of dead. Nope, I got my own numbers, but let them tell you they're the experts. That was him letting them own it. So you have to ask yourself, what is going on and why is it going on? Well, maybe we can hear how hmm, the GOP actually blasted the World Health Organization leadership saying it's politicized by Chinese money. Man, the GOP didn't even do their job because they let this CARES Act go through, which was an incentive, a money incentive for all these hospitals, clinics, and according to the legislation, anyone that deals with people that have coronavirus to get their hands on some paper dollar, hundred million, a hundred billion dollars worth. Take a listen to what they grandstanded saying. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers is preparing to convert the Miami Beach Convention Center into a medical facility to help assist in the CV-19 response. Ainsley. Currently, Florida has more than 14,700 confirmed cases, and health officials expect the peak to hit that state at the beginning of May. Yep. Uh, so joining us right now from Miami, Florida, Senator Marco Rubio. Senator, I want to talk to you about this rescue plan because you focused on small business. I were you the chairman of the subcommittee there, but at first I want to get your sense of Florida. I saw those huge lines when it come to uh, food banks. Uh, how is the uh, people of Florida responding to the lockdown? Well, I want to say the people of Florida have responded well in terms of following the mandates. Obviously, there are people that try to get around and people that have to. You know, it's interesting. You know, if you work in a blue collar job, you're probably out there having to work right now, whether you work at uh, the grocery store, or CVS, Walgreens or at some other place that's been deemed essential. And of course, all the people, first responders and so forth. But by and large, you've seen that Florida has outperformed all of the models. It's not because the models were wrong. It's because we are we are doing our part, and we're going to keep an eye on that. And I also think our local hospitals across the state have done a great job of sort of building up capacity and getting ready uh, to, to address whatever comes our way. 
That's right. And I know that in the Senate, uh, there's already some talk about another phase. Uh, Some of the points from the Democrats' uh, next relief bill would be a quarter of a trillion dollars in assistance to small businesses, $100 billion for hospitals, community health centers, and Wait, again? So they want to give another $100 billion for hospitals, community health centers, and health systems, which if you actually read the fine print, means anyone that deals with people with coronavirus. That is, this is a money grab, a huge money grab that's going to find itself circling right back into the pockets of the Democrats. Health systems, $150 billion for state and local governments, and a 15% increase to the minimum SNAP benefit, among other things. And one interesting thing that uh, Senator Chuck Schumer suggested, uh, Senator, is uh, for up to $25,000 uh, hero pay, essentially, for the people on the front lines, uh, whether they are nurses or truckers or grocery store clerks, somehow the government compensating them for essentially putting their lives at risk every day when they go to work. Whoop, Chinese propaganda creeping up. Take a listen. What do you think of that idea? Well, the way I think we should approach it is we need to bifurcate this into two pieces. The first is sort of... Hey, I don't know. Sort of what? Let's see. Hold on. So what they're saying is we should uh, give every single person that's a nurse, health, health practitioner, doctor, or any other essential person money, right? A bonus for working truck drivers, a bonus for, well, hold on a second. Where are we finding this money? See, the nurses, the doctors, the health practitioners, the truckers aren't like you know, the rest of, you know, 85% of America, like I, who don't have work, can't make money because of the shutdown. So everybody else is shut down, has no money, but the people that are able to make money, yes, they're risking, but that's your job. I would be in hazardous situations when I was in med school all the time, infectious disease or whatever. Hazard pay? Are you kidding? Are we going to start giving them hazard pay? Is that what we're saying? We don't even give soldiers and National Guardsmen hazard pay during this time, but we're going to give it to the private workers that are fortunate enough to work during this time. And you'll say, well, they're working and they're at risk. Uh, rubbish. Rubbish. COVID-19 is just as dangerous, actually less dangerous than the flu. The only difference is it's efficacy for mortality, right? So it is strong. It is more likely to kill you if you get it than the flu. That's the only difference. Uh, but the mortality rate is far less. So the questions we have here is one, why is it so uh, virulent? Why is it, uh, why its efficacy is so good? Who created this designer virus and this bioweapon has been deployed? And instead of pouring money into making sure that everyone can have the cure, because for some reason, governors and mayors of places around the nation don't want people to get better. They're refraining from giving. Instead of putting money into that, we're handing out another $100 billion to hospitals, which give them more of an incentive to just document every single death as COVID-19, which is ridiculous. You go in there with a broken leg, COVID. You go in there because you're dead from bullets, right? From bullets where you're being shot up in Chicago 
It's COVID-19. They are making money. This is why they have an incentive. Did you know that the $100 billion that they put in the CARES Act equates to about $108,000 per hospital bed? Per hospital bed. Okay? Per hospital bed. So this woman that was ranting that went in and out and went home into quarantine wasn't tested. He just said, yep, you have COVID-19. Go home. Here's your paper. There goes more money the hospital can get because they treated COVID-19. This is a money grab, and this is how they're terrorizing the people of the United States. Rather than be honest and transparent with their numbers, they're telling you they're skewed numbers and they're still not even close to where they wanted you to die at. This tells you everything you need to know. You have to, like I've said, uh, follow the money. That's like something that I've been saying from day one on air. Follow the money. Why are they so insanely pushing? It's all about money, but control as well, but money. Because all of these people that are involved in our um, health plans and how to get us better, right, are all making buku dollars off of this, okay? You know, everyone's starting to, everyone that's home now is digging and digging and digging and they're like, whoa, look, Dr. Fauci connected to Gates, Pence connected to Gates, uh, you know, uh, Burke's connected to Gates. They're all connected to the Pastors, all connected to the Astors, all connected to Soros, all with the Clinton Initiative, all with Epstein, all, 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 all. They're all one group, kind of like high school, the ones that rule. Because think about it, with all this, you know, nanotech chipping vaccine, so we know we'll insert this uh, chip that will tell us that you're vaccinated against COVID-19, like Bill Gates says, is bagging you and tagging you like cattle. So then you have to think if I'm being bagged and tagged like a cattle, who's my master? Who's ushering me, you know, into the pen? Hmm? Who's, who's, who's the one running the world? That's the thing. If I knew weeks ago that this was, they were going to be conflating the numbers. Okay. And pushing this as an epidemic and a pandemic to cause us harm you better believe it, the president did. And he so did. Because yesterday, if he was only there, only there, when she said, yeah, well, you know, we're assuming and we're very liberal on how we uh, diagnose patients. You didn't hear it? Okay, here it is. Take a listen to it. Can you talk about your concerns about deaths being misreported? Uh, by coronavirus because of either testing or standards for how they're characterized? So I think in this country, we've taken a very liberal approach to mortality. And I think the reporting here has been pretty straightforward over the last five to six weeks. Prior to that, when there wasn't testing in January and February, that's a very different situation um, and unknown. There are other countries that if you had a pre-existing condition and let's say the virus caused you to go to the ICU and then have a heart or kidney problem, some countries are recording that as a heart issue or a kidney issue and not a COVID-19 death. 
So what they're saying is because you caught a cold and had a heart attack, it doesn't mean you had a heart attack because your heart was just messed up. It's because you had COVID-19 and they're wrong and they should be documenting it as COVID-19. Right now we're still recording it and we'll, I mean, the great thing about having forms that come in and a form that has the ability to mark it as COVID-19 infection, the intent is. Oh, we're marketing COVID-19 infections and we're giving people forms and telling them how to fill it out. Uh, We'll get to that. Right now that those, if someone dies with COVID-19, we are counting that as a COVID-19 death. Are you, can you be sure? I mean, you hear from coroners that that's not necessarily the case. Or are you sure? How can you be confident about that? And is there any concern that it skews? It totally skews. There we go. Maybe someone heard my battle cry from my mass emails that I send all these darn White House correspondent journalists. You know, so basically, here's the thing. When you die, I'm going to tell you this because I've actually, you know, witnessed it, um, you know, when I did my tour in pathology. Uh when, when someone dies, first of all, we conduct an autopsy and then we have to actually put the cause of death on uh, the system. Uh, this system that we put it on is for the official vital records of the state. Official vital records is uh, never under assumption. It's always fact. You know, if and you have to be descriptive too in the in the in the, in the notes part. You put like cause of death, you know, uh, blunt force impact. You know, and it could be in the notes the guy fell out of a plane you know, and landed on earth, uh, you know, and just got crushed. You have to put it in there right now. They are telling people how to fill out those forms and how they should document if the person has COVID-19 IgGs. So if you have the antibodies for it, it means you had it, have it, or, or immune to it. So what they're doing is they're testing dead people (laughs) to see if they have COVID-19 uh, with, uh, on the basis of IDDs. Now consider this, if this is indeed a virus that is uh, so virulent and so transmissible that just being in the hospital because you had a car accident, uh, exposes you to it and your body is bu- busy making antibodies while you're almost dead or maybe dead on arrival, who knows, you're going to have positive antibodies. It seems like the majority of the people in the United States have already been exposed to it. So all of us may have antibodies, right? So why is it that now, no matter what it is, you have to put COVID-19? We're not just talking about the cases of COPD and pneumonia. We're talking, they are assuming, it clearly says on the National Vital Statistics System from the CDC website, it is important to emphasize that coronavirus disease 2019 or COVID-19 should be reported on the death certificate for all descendants where the disease caused or is assumed, assumed to have contributed, caused or contributed to that. Excuse me. So we're going on assumptions. When have vital records have had assumed, had assumed information? Never. 
It's always fact. So obviously I roll with a lot of reporters that ask questions. I was glad to see that, you know, yesterday at the White House, people were asking questions we actually care about, even though there were still the stupid gotcha moments. Like nobody cares about, was he prepared? Talk to the coronavirus task force or ask the president, when are, when are the people going to see money? What's happening? How are we going to fix this? Things that, that we are concerned about rather than BS Oh, ventilators. I don't care about logistics. That's not my business. I can't help the logistics. You telling me that you're delivering ventilators or me asking about a shortage of ventilators isn't helping me, the constituent. It's not helping me, my family. It's not putting food in my stomach. It's not paying my rent. It's not paying my bills. So tell me what I want to know. What we do want to (laughs) know is why are they terrorizing us? This is criminal. Think about it. They're threatening and hanging over you this thing of instant death the minute you step outside or, you know, come in contact with someone less than six feet. You're just going to die. They're terrorizing you while you're cooped up in your house, while you're, you're, you're trying to figure out how you're going to pay your bills, how you're going to feed yourself. So you're under extreme stress and on lockdown, unable to exit your home or else a Karen will find you and report you or you will get arrested and fined, right? Unless you're going to get a a bottle of milk or a banana, right? You're going to jail. Like they're hauling people off. Okay. So all of this stress is on you. You, the waitress that was working, making tips, paying her bills on top of it. And suddenly you've got no job. You're at home. You still have bills coming in. Your credit is now shot because you're 30 days late. You can't even file for an employment while you're filing, but they're behind a couple weeks and you don't know, do they need any documentation? What do you need? You know, I'm not seeing Trump bucks, you know, and this waitress is freaking out. She's freaking out. And suddenly the TV's telling her you're going to die if you leave. So all this stress for what? It's criminal. What they're doing are crimes against humanity right now. They are terrorizing the public unnecessarily. They should be there just like President Trump said to give them hope and be the cheerleader for them. Instead, they're giving you numbers like 2 million that now become 200,000, 100 to 200,000, now become 80,000. Soon it's going to be 8,000. It's like, yep, we're done. But you all need to be mass vaccinated just to make sure that the numbers don't climb up again. Terrorizing you. And they're telling doctors how to do it for them. Listen. You just said... I think is critically important. Can you repeat what you just said, please? Well, last Friday, I received a seven-page document that sort of told me that if I had an 86-year-old patient that had pneumonia but was never tested for COVID-19, but sometime after she came down with pneumonia, we learned that she had been exposed to her son who had no symptoms but later on was identified with COVID-19, that it would be appropriate to diagnose on the death certificate, COVID-19. Now, we've not done that. If someone has the pneumonia after, and, and it's in the middle of a flu epidemic and I don't have a test on influenza, I don't diagnose influenza on the death certificate. I will say uh, this elderly patient Sir, died of pneumonia. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, I, my heart is sinking right now as you're telling me this. You're, you're a doctor. Why in the world would they be sending you out information to fill out death certificates, whether the person's been diagnosed with COVID-19 or not, but then to say in the death certificate this person's death was caused by COVID-19? That, that does not sound right to me.
I went to the person in our office who does most of the death certificates over the last you know, 10, 20 years, and I said, does this sound right? I had her look at the documents that I printed off, and she said, well, we've always been told that you always put down just facts. You don't put down any probabilities. You don't put any presumptions down. It's just what you know. And so this is concerning, and, and it actually gets to your point, Chris. When we start talking about the data that goes into the modeling, we have to ask ourselves a question. Are we being forthright? Are we sharing with the public? Minnesota, North Dakota, we don't need to be having it sugar-coated. We want to know but, what's going into your modeling. So with that being said, why would they want to skew the number of deaths due to COVID-19? Well, fear is a great way to control people. And I worry about that. I worry that sometimes we're so darn interested in just jazzing up the fear factor that you just said jazzing up the fear factor fear is a great way to control people you heard it from this doctor and senator of minnesota now uh you know obviously i got a lot of hate from people i don't care saying how could you say that they're like lying about the deaths and you're such a conspiracy not a conspiracy theorist if it's true because it's on there now in the article that i published i actually put uh the documents from the state department the state's health department for all of you to see because this is real they are literally laundering deaths don't 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 take it as COVID-19 isn't real it's a real thing but the conflation of the mortality you know uh you know numbers is a hundred percent false it's criminal like I said this whole incarceration incarceration ah incineration thing is is really, really concerning. I actually came across, and I'm putting it together in an article, of a Muslim funeral home who is claiming that they don't have room to store bodies. Uh, they need a refrigerated unit. And, um, you know, they can't burn them fast enough, apparently. And so it's going around. This Muslim-owned uh, funeral home is in New York is trying to raise money. They needed twenty grand to buy this refrigerated thing. They've raised over a hundred and fifty thousand dollars on a GoFundMe, and the messages are going, uh, you know, far and wide that they're incinerating, cremating cremating victims of COVID-19. I said, when I heard Mark Levine say that we're going to be temporarily, whatever that means, how do you temporarily bury someone in a New York City park? You know, it was alarm bells everywhere. I'm from New York, man. And if you're going to start burying people that are supposedly contagious in my backyard, I'm going to be the first person knocking on doors, quarantine or not, saying we need to get together and say no to this because we're all going to die because the, the, the virus or whatever disease is, it's going to be in our parks and we can't use them. Our kids won't be able to be, I don't care if it's temporary, right? That's what you would all, every, every logically, uh, you know, uh, you know, every logical human being w that can think would say that. So they're burning the bodies. And then, you know, now we're getting confirmation that Wuhan funeral homes we're burning coronavirus victims alive. Makes you wonder, uh, what about the funeral homes that are conducting cremations right now? What if they're just chucking people in? I'm just saying. I'm not saying they are. But how do you know? 
The cause of death is false on the birth certificate, on the death certificate. And I said birth certificate. Well, they're being born into angels, so, but it's false. So how do you know? How do you know if they're willing to put on a show, a global show to hold you hostage in your home with fear, how do you know? Now, I just wanted to address something because I have a listener who I really like that's a trucker. He's like, well, I'm a trucker and you know, yeah, but you're working. And I'm saying for those that can't work, is it fair that they're stuck inside? Should, should every single doctor, nurse, trucker get a $25,000 bonus when we could use that money to, you know, help people get back? Do you know how many businesses, small businesses close their doors Probably forever after this. Probably forever. Because the banks aren't handing out the loans. They're not. <laughs> Especially now that they're getting to it because they were patient. Wait, wait, wait. Putting it off. I'm late on this payment, late on that. They're not giving them money. Credit is shot. What do these people do? Do they go out on the street? Do landlords kick them out? Because I don't see any big property saying your rent is forgiven this month. You see one guy in Brooklyn doing it. Where are the rest? Where is America works together? Everyone is out for their own. They don't care about America. The majority, the majority voice, not the majority of people, the majority voice, the people that are talking heads on your TV, telling you how to think, walk, talk, are all fine and dandy. You know, you had tweets out where they're showing you these lovely, you know, $25, you know, a pound steaks, and the majority of America doesn't even shop there, right? Of course, they're not going to shop there now. They're telling people, you need to go to Walmart, but slowly. And the thing is, well, what do you mean slowly? Do I wait outside three hours for my turn? I mean, you're not delivering anything. Delivery drivers are making bank. I mean, all they have to do is pick up something and then drop it off. They don't even have to see anybody. And yet there's a delay on that. You know, that market's pretty, you know, the DoorDash thing and the whole, uh, (laughs) they're exploding for real. But these are, these are all issues that have arisen because what they conflated the numbers. They terrorized the people to demand a shutdown, to demand closing of schools, closing of borders, not traveling, closing of jobs. They caused this and they wanted to tank the economy because what president Trump did was boom the economy. And you know what? If he did it in the mess he got it in, imagine when he gets it where it starts from zero. This is why Schumer's $25,000 bonus, you know, is going to be waved around to all these liberals and conservatives that are be like, why not? I deserve it. I was working. Yeah. But think how many people weren't working and couldn't work. How many people would have worked if they could have a job to work? I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who'd be like, man, I want to get into trucking, but they're not hiring right now. Man, I want to get into this, but they're not hiring right now. Oh, I'll go work at the hospital as a lab tech, as a, you know, as a, as a, an assistant to the nurse that you really don't need any qualifications. I'll go, uh, I'll go work. They're not hiring right now. So again, where can we use that insane amount of money that Schumer wants to spend to give them hazard pay, which we're not giving to the military, by the way, where does he want, why do you want to spend it there? Why not spend it on helping that bakery that closed its doors probably forever open up?
make up the product that is wasting away in their fridges. Why not help that single mom with three kids that is working as a waitress going back to school after a disgusting divorce? Why not help her get back on her feet? Why not help, you know, millions of Americans that are, that were in poverty and are now being pushed further into it? Those, that's where we should be focusing on. And that is where the president will be focusing on come soon. (laughs) So soon we're going to be seeing that. This CARES Act was atrocious. He should have vetoed the whole thing. He should have just, boom, I'm done. You know, I'm done. Write them a check, cut them a check, deal with it. Do you know that you can't speak to anyone at the IRS? So if you've got issues, tough noogies. There's no chat either. Have you been filing for your SBA loan? Can't get anyone on the phone? Yeah, that's right. Because they're all gone. Um, let's see. How about, uh, you know, you file for unemployment or SNAP or Medicaid. You're not going to get anyone on the phone because guess what? Coronavirus. So you're applying for things that should be made available to you as a citizen you know, according to the CARES Act and according to just any time, right, that you can apply for these and you can't get anyone. So again, how is this CARES Act helping people? It's really not. The only people that it's helping is the healthcare industry that's getting massive amounts of cash, massive because they're labeling deaths as coronavirus. That's basically it. Now, this interview irritates me beyond belief. Uh, Marco Rubio, I don't like. He's all about the, the, the clan. I want to um, put out, uh, I want to play a clip from Fox. Uh, hold on, there we go. Where President Trump warns about buying antibody tests online. You mean, because you're getting coronavirus. Take a listen. 1,870,000 tests to date. And now we're performing them at a level that nobody's ever seen before. CVS testing sites in Georgia and Rhode Island will be using Abbott Labs rapid five-minute tests. That means a lot of very fast tests. No nation in the world has developed a more diverse and robust testing capacity than the United States. President Trump highlighting the expansion of the coronavirus testing throughout the country. Here with more is Assistant Secretary for Health and Human Services and a member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, four-star Admiral Brett Giroir. Admiral, good morning to you. Good morning to you. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you because you're giving America updates on the very latest. It's interesting. We were listening to Dr. Burks and the president last night talk from the podium in the briefing room about these Abbott machines. And uh, she had an appeal that if you've got one, let's uh, let's try to figure out how your area can use it. Can you just explain what she's talking about and what these Abbott machines can do? So uh, Abbott makes a whole variety of machines, the rapid five-minute point-of-care test that you alluded to. What uh, Ambassador Burks was talking about is a relatively high-throughput machine that Abbott makes that we know a lot of hospitals have, and we're able to track exactly how many tests they're doing. In order to maximize the capacity of the country, um, we want those machines to be in full use. So we're really going to an individual, individual kind of hospital uh, work right now to make sure that every possible test that can be run will be run. Uh, Admiral, Dr. Brooks was talking yesterday about these uh, antibody tests 
And I hadn't even thought of this until she mentioned it, but she said there's some companies out there that are trying to sell antibody tests online. She warns people. Well, here's her warning. Listen to this. If you see them on the Internet, do not buy them. Some of the tests that may be available on the Internet may have very low sensitivity and specificity and give you a false reassurance that you either give you a false positive or a false negative, implying that you may be protected. What's your message for the folks that are watching? There, there, isn't, there hasn't been one that's been approved, right, or it's not available? So I want to distinguish for all your viewers, up until now, all the tests we've been speaking about diagnose, do you have the virus in your nose? Are you actively shedding? Are you infected? The antibody test would be able to tell you, have you been infected in the past? So it detects an immune response to the virus, meaning that you're likely not ever going to be able to get it again, or at least in the, in the short uh, term of many years. That's the test right now that are coming onto the market. Um, most of them, almost all of them, have not been through FDA authorization. And we are very concerned that many of the tests uh, are really just not accurate. Um, so in the government right now, the FDA, CDC, NIH are trying to validate all the tests that are out there that we know about to make sure they really perform. Um, we've heard international stories of governments, and you might have seen it a couple days ago, the United Kingdom bought almost 20 million tests, um, and they just don't work at all. They're, they don't perform well. So there's no need to have this test right now. We are developing the methods. We have the methods, and we're validating which tests are good. And as soon as we do that, you'll be hearing from us very shortly, probably in the next week, to give the public assurance of which ones really work and don't. And there'll be a really national testing plan around these antibody tests as well. What? A national testing plan around the antibodies testing around the nation? You mean <laughs> we're going to be donating our samples, our DNA samples to what? Wear a badge, like they said, of how what? How immune we are, how superhuman we are, how not subhuman. So are we going to classify ourselves no longer based on color, but based on genetic predisposition that we can't help? <laughs> so now it's going to be people that are immune to people that are not immune. I see. I see. I see. So, Admiral, a couple of days ago, famously, you took a question from the podium and they said the inspector general did a report and it turns out a survey of 300 plus hospitals show the prevailing thought was there wasn't enough gloves, there wasn't enough shields, uh, there wasn't enough masks. You said, well, if that was, that's not the case, but if it was true, I wish that person would have told me rather than run to the press. How many hospitals do you think are short of any of these things? Well, it's it's. We get sourced every single day. Uh, we have regional administrators from FEMA. We have HHS regional administrators. Uh, we talk to most of the major hospital systems directly, particularly in the hotspot areas. And up till now, particularly with gowns, gloves, N95 masks, we've been able to fill all the needs that we've been told about. At first, we started at the regional level, and now we're going down to individual hospitals. That's Admiral Polubchek saying that. So I know there's a lot of concern in the community. I'm an intensive care doctor, and if you're worried about not having the right masks, or, for example, if the masks are sitting in a warehouse down the street, they've been delivered by the federal government but haven't gotten to your hospital, that is a concern. That's why we've even moved to the next step here at FEMA and HHS by supplying hospitals specifically, going door to door if that hospital has a need and they're not getting met that we really do that right. so so that's really the posture right. we're in right now right now yes 
Okay, it, but ultimately, Admiral, that's after somebody becomes infected and they need hospitalization, and that's when they wind up uh, on one of the beds or one of the ICU beds as well. Correct. But right now, Correct. what's very encouraging is the fact that when you look at the social distancing, that for the most part, the entire country is doing. And we should point out that the CDC director said a couple of days ago, said uh, yesterday, that apparently, you know, those super dire uh, predictions that maybe a quarter of a million Americans could die. Uh, that was awful. But at the same time, now they're saying it probably won't be that bad because those estimates were based on only half the country doing social distancing. Right now, it seems like everybody's in this. And for the folks watching right now, they got to know that what they're doing, staying away from people, is actually working, and it will save. Yeah, it's working. We're not getting abortions. We're not getting into car accidents. We're not, you know, uh, slipping and falling outside, you know. So it's uh, lowering deaths. Now, I just want you to think, in any time in history, have you ever seen these phony leaders, these phony media outlets, obviously the Democratic Party, the dead party, as I would say, the demon party, Jesus, they're so horrific. The, the Hollywood clowns, have you ever seen so much hate towards the president of the United States? So much hate that they are willing to bar the use of a medication that can save lives in their states because he mentioned it. It's kind of like that meme, and I put it in my article on Tory Says where I put it down how they're laundering this money with evidence, with videos, with testimony, with documents. In there, I put that meme. You remember that meme where it had President Trump cures cancer, but then it had liberals with all these signs that were like, oh, curing cancer is racist. This is the, this is, prop, what you are seeing is propaganda. This is the definition division on all scales so no more color now we're going to be like immune or not immune you're a lesser god because you're going to cost us money because you're less immune maybe you shouldn't have children i'm just saying this is so coordinated it's ridiculous like i said this was the plan all along this is why they had their stupid exercises their stupid event 201s and then the other event that they did in europe in 2018 and then the other one in 2017 it's almost every year they're exercising this they're simulating this so it's completely coordinated it's just that they had to adjust their plan to figure out how they can swoop this into impeachment. Remember, this was exactly what they were doing in February when time wore concrete boots. I feel like we're well into February time-wise, uh, February, we're well into May entering June time-wise, but for some reason, we're at the beginning of April. This is how, instead of invading you with information, they are infiltrating from within. <laughs> they have no morals. Therefore, they will go to any length. They will do anything to maintain power. What you are seeing is them clawing, clawing from the depths of their swamps, clawing onto those high thrones that they've been sitting on all this time to maintain power. That is all they're doing, to maintain power. It is the most horrible thing that 
anyone has interest. You know, I was super frustrated yesterday when I saw the blue check marks at the same time, right? Talk about the tweet that I read to you guys a couple weeks ago from the World Health Organization. I was so upset. They were the ones that said that there was no human to human transition with a little H. Remember, we talked about that. And they're the ones that claim that, you, you know, banning people from traveling from China is just ridiculous. It's just racist. They were attacking us. Right? So you have to take a step back and think, whoa, why is the not so fake news actually acting like fake news? Why aren't they reporting these things? That was out there for months. And when I talked about it on air with you guys, I was like, why is nobody talking about this? Like, it's right there. But now, all of a sudden, they all were given what? The cue to go forward with, uh, you know, the notion. And let's start talking about it now. So is everybody just waiting for, you know, I'm giving you cue. You know, cue this. Let's go. How many cues have I given to you, my listeners? Go dig there. Go dig here. Look at this. Does it have to come from a specific place for people to listen? Does it have to be from your blue check marks, from your brand name talking heads? Why, Why can't people discern the information themselves? Why can't they parse it? It's right in front of us. We would not be in this position if the news were actually doing their job. And we would also not be in the position here that we're at now if we weren't as reliant as we are on them to give us the news. And again, we're busy. We have lives. You know, the minute you're born, you have a $70,000 debt price on your head. You're working all the time. You're busy. So you expect people that self-nominate themselves as that point of reference for you for news to do their job. Fake news everywhere. In the article, I even put down how the Huffington Post is sitting there saying President Trump has an interest in hydroxychloroquine drug. And that's why he's pushing it because he's got a vested investment interest. Let me tell you how much that investment is. Less than $99 in a, in a diversified stock portfolio. Are you kidding? $99? Let's pretend the stock for hydroxychloroquine goes up a thousandfold. It's still not half the price of only his left shoe. Not much of a motivator when it's $98 and something cents. Not much of a motivator. But obviously Huffington Post just said a small interest. Didn't say how small. I think, you know, tons of people out there, including, <laughs> including me, have more than $99 right now. My God, this is so ridiculous. I'm laughing because I'm so angry. You know, this impeachment is being pushed through. Again, they pushed it really, really quick because they wanted to catch it with the coronavirus, right? You see it, how important it was that they push it. What was their end game? Their end game was we're going to impeach him. We're going to coronavirus Pence. Pelosi's going to come to power. And here we go where we create this law in Congress that says we can, you know, we can put an acting president because Pelosi doesn't feel like she could do the job. So since Hillary was the people's choice, we're just going to place her. This was the plan. I've told you this plan. And I would have been in a gulag rather than on air. And you would have been told that I had coronavirus and I was incinerated for the safety 
safety of the public. That was the plan. This is how they were going to rectify what Trump undone. How he undone so much from the minute he took office. So, you know, this is how they work. And they're so predictable, especially for time travelers like me, because, you know, unfortunately their plans don't change across multiple timelines. The outcomes do, but their plans never change because they are creatures of habit. So everything they have done has failed because we've been ahead of the game, ahead of the game. So you have to ask yourself, okay, so, uh, you know, They tried to impeach him. They failed. Suddenly time has slowed down. You're like in this bubble where February was like never ending. And it was like three months, you guys. Look at the weather. Look at how things feel. It doesn't feel like it's April at all, right? It feels weird. It feels off, right? And so suddenly, you know, Biden's the front runner and he can't stream one sentence. I mean, think. This is the most incredible false flag ever seen in history. And it'll go down in the history books as such, as long as we play our cards right. Now, after the break, we'll come back. We'll talk more about this, just a little bit more, and and, and delve into other things. In the meantime, I want you guys to stay safe, stay happy, and... And go grab yourself a snack. It's like lunchtime. I uh, got a DM from someone who's like, you know, I I eat lunch with you and I love that. So this is where we're at, you guys. They're, They're literally pulling their own pants down. And we should all thank the president for that. On that note, I'll see you guys all in just a bit right after this break. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Tory. You've observed show. recurring violations. I'm your host, Tory. Second hour of the Tory Says Show, um, and I thought that we can continue just looking at what we have in front of us, what is making sense to us. We have to put these pieces of this stupid puzzle together because this is not about party politics. And I loathe people that are like, well, Democrats and Republicans, nobody cares. They're all cut from the same cloth, period. All the politicians that have been there forever are one in the same. This is not about politics. This is about preserving our republic. The, the ensuring that the foundations of this nation are not torn apart. You know, the Democrats, the, 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 oh gosh, the fake news, Hollywood, all of them so foaming at the mouth. They're foaming at the mouth every time they hear the president say things that are so noble, so patriotic with so much love, (laughs) you know, um, it was, uh, about a year ago, I think it was like New Year's Eve or one of my shows, I don't remember, where I said our motto for for 2020 when it comes, because I, I said this sometime in 2019, uh, so I think it was like New Year's Eve, uh, no, it was New Year's Day 
of 2019 that in 2020 we're going to see Africa come into the picture and this is where all these diseases are going to link back you'll see but I also said that the the tone that we're going to have is give me liberty or give me death you know you heard me say it uh there's there's also a saying um oh I don't remember I can't I can't oh it's at the tip of my tongue regardless this impeachment that we saw failed. It was ushered really quick and it was perfect timing. At the same time, we saw Biden come into the picture the minute their, uh, you know, dirty laundering was coming to the forefront. If you look at how everything happened, you can't say it's happenstance, right? You can't. Everything in their body is screaming right now. They have nothing else to, they've lost everything. They are insanely (laughs) crazy. And remember, I told you that it was the Democratic Party that created the Chinese Communist Party. Remember that. They're the ones that have indeed created that. I told you how we did not honor the agreement, how we had embargoed the aid that we were sending to the Chinese nationalists to fight the communists. I told you how the Democrats created the CCP and you are seeing them bow down. Now, everyone's like, oh my gosh, this is Chinese. Oh my God. Well, Epic Times is owned a hundred percent by China. Yet they're everywhere because China is a creation of the United States. Well, the communist Chinese are. And no matter how much we hate to say it, it's the truth. You didn't do it. I didn't do it. Maybe our parents were involved in electing these clowns back in the 40s, you know, or grandparents. But did they think that we were creating the Chinese Communist Party in order to turn around, pilot all these social credit scoring systems, pilot all these, we're incinerating you alive if you speak gulags? No, they just assumed that we were going to help them, which we would have. But, you know, Truman had other ideas. So did other, you know, generals that should not, you know, I, if I was President Trump, I would totally take the stars away from all those generals that embargoed the aid that we were going to send to the Chinese. It's doublespeak. I would totally do that retroactively. Just like impeaching 44 isn't enough for me. I want to impeach 44. I want to impeach 43, 42, 40. I can keep going and just skip over a few. Impeach them all because they were all traitors to the nation, traitors to the ideology of what it means to be an American. This is about saving the United States of America. This is about protecting our children because the World Health Organization's like, yeah, we're just going to come to your house and like take your kids so they can be safe. Are you kidding? Over my dead body. And they'll say, okay. That's basically the response you will get. Gestapo tactics, division, so coordinated. It's so blatant that I get frustrated. I want to throttle 
blue check marks that sit there and say smart things like, oh, you know, oh dear, did they say this? Or Liz Wheeler was like, oh, so they're, you know, skewing the numbers. Yeah, it's freaking criminal. It's not dumb. How could you say it's dumb? It's criminal. It is criminal. They are terrorizing people. It is criminal. Why are they so complacent with it? It's criminal. And it's so frustrating listening to all these people talking as if it's like no big deal. But, you know, the person that I do love that says it like it is, is Tucker. And now he says experts can't predict when the pandemic will end. I'll tell you when it ends. When they can get vaccines that have nanotechnology that will acknowledge if you have been vaccinated or not. Vaccines for something you can't vaccinate against. And let's pretend in some fantasy world that you can actually vaccinate against a virus, which you can't, by the way. That is fact. Um, you know, let's see. So you can vaccinate against, right? So everyone's going to get this vaccine. So why are you tagging people too, uh, to just make it known? That's basically it. So they want to vaccinate you, drug you, change your DNA. Obviously, wait, let me backtrack. If indeed it was ever humanly possible or in this reality or any to actually vaccinate against a vac- uh, against a virus, which by the way is endogenic to either humans or animals <laughs> that has been designed and manufactured, of course, and then released. Anyway, let's pretend that we could vaccine against a virus, right? Let's just pretend that they could vaccinate against this COVID-19. Guess what? They can't because they don't know patient zero. No matter how many, uh, you know, diseases you want to take out, if you don't know patient zero for something new, you cannot fight it. And right now we have about 19 patient zeros, exactly 19 patient zeros across the nation, which means 19 different bioweapons were deployed. 19, not one. 19, three in the United States, two in Belgium, so they can spread couple in Italy. They tried it in Africa, but it's really not working yet. I guess only African Americans that are in the United States are dying of coronavirus, of course, because, you know, bullets getting shot because you have the antibodies for coronavirus. You also have coronavirus, right? So let's take a listen to my most favorite Tucker Carlson and how he susses this out. As of tonight, the question is, what happens next? Well, yesterday, a piece of the New York Times asked that, asked what appeared to be a pretty straightforward question. When will New York City reach the peak of its outbreak? New York City, of course, being the place with the most cases in this country. And you'd think that epidemiologists could answer that question with some precision. But as it turns out, no, they can't. Governor Andrew Cuomo predicted the peak will come this week. The head of New York Presbyterian Hospital predicted April 15th. The state's health commissioner, meanwhile, thought late April or maybe early May. The predictions differed by up to a full month. At a time when New York is quarantined and people are still dying, that is a very big range of answers. Howard Markle, a physician and professor at the University of Michigan, summed up the current state of knowledge this way, quote, in reality, we don't know. No, we don't know. In fact, a close look at the data suggests the peak of the epidemic in New York may have already passed five days ago. On April 2nd, 1,427 people were hospitalized for coronavirus in New York. It's the highest number so far recorded. The next day, that total dropped to 1,095. And then on Sunday, it fell to only 358. 
In the last two days, new hospitalizations have ticked up once again, but they're still far below last Thursday's peak. If this trend holds, we don't know that it will, but if it does, the worst may already be over for New York. All of this has come as a surprise to our public health authorities and a welcome surprise to those of us watching. The Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, the IHME, is a well-regarded research center run from the University of Washington. The IHME has produced details predictions charting the expected course of this epidemic here in the United States as well as in other countries. Their model has done perhaps more than any other piece of academic research to shape our response to the coronavirus crisis. So how accurate has that model been? Here are some numbers. Initially, the IHME predicted that on April 4th, the state of New York would require 65,000 hospital beds to handle infected patients. The low-end estimate of what the state would need was nearly 48,000 beds. In fact, on April 4th, New York had fewer than 16,000 hospitalizations for coronavirus, and many other states fell far below the model's projections as well, many states. Over the weekend, the IHME updated its model. Its projections across the country have been scaled back dramatically. And yet they are still significantly overstated. For example, today, which is April 7th, the updated IHME model predicts that New York will need 25,000 hospital beds. As of this morning, the real number was just under 17,500. The new model also predicted that as of today, almost 6,600 people would be in intensive care, and the actual number is just under 4,600. In Florida, the new model predicted 4,000 people would be hospitalized. The reality in Florida tonight is that not even 2,000 are. And it wasn't just Florida and New York. The IHME got it wrong in state after state after state. By the way, for America, this is great news, and we should celebrate it. It's much better than we thought. Though, unfortunately, on the question of total deaths, the model has been more accurate, though it still tends to overshoot. For example, yesterday, the IHME predicted 784 deaths for New York. The state finished the day with about 600. For the entire country, the model predicts about 2,000 deaths today, and sadly, it seems like we'll finish somewhere around that number. But that may not be the whole story. There is nuance within those numbers, as there always is in social science. For many years, the CDC has tracked the total number of Americans who die every week from pneumonia. For the last few weeks, that number has come in far lower than at the same moment in previous years. How could that be? Well, it seems entirely possible that doctors are classifying conventional pneumonia deaths as COVID-19 deaths. And that would mean this epidemic is being credited for thousands of deaths that would have occurred if the virus never appeared here. We don't know that for certain, but it's certainly worth considering. Something is skewing those numbers. Nor do we know exactly why the model predicted so many more hospitalizations than we have actually had. Now, you will hear people say, you're hearing them say now, Liberty, 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 liberty. We were just attacked. That's right, about 4 a.m., the printing press of our Hong Kong edition was visited by four masked men who are likely Chinese communists, and they came in with batons, flammable liquid, and tinder. They poured the liquid out. But this is evidence that the shutdowns and social distancing must be working, but not so fast. Those measures were built into the model in the first place. They've already been taken into account, and we are still doing far better than what epidemiologists believe was the best case scenario. So the question is, and it's a central question as we move forward, how did this happen? Well, it's possible the virus is just less deadly than we feared it was, or it's less likely to send people to the hospital. Maybe it spreads less easily than we thought it did. Maybe it spreads more easily than we thought it did, and the number of asymptomatic carriers is higher than we knew. 
All of those are reasonable theories. We have no idea which one could be true. Then there's this. In a new draft paper, MIT economist Jeffrey Harris suggests that Americans are following social distancing guidelines more effectively than authorities ever imagined they would. And that's another potential explanation. Whatever's happening, this epidemic appears to be doing less damage than anticipated, and it's receding more quickly. Not so long ago, some of our leaders seemed on the verge of panic. On March 24th, for example, Governor Cuomo of New York descended into a state of frenzy during his daily press conference. Cuomo dismissed the federal assistance New York had received as grossly inefficient. Tens of thousands of innocent New Yorkers were going to die, he said. They will choke to death while doctors do nothing to help them. Watch. FEMA says we're sending 400 ventilators. Really? What am I going to, what am I going to do with 400 ventilators when I need 30,000? You pick the 26,000 people who are going to die because you only sent 400 ventilators. You pick the people who are going to die? Well, Chicago seems to be doing that. Oh, well, who's dying of coronavirus? So I've been kind of saying this for over a month. And the reason I've been saying this is because it's not making sense. It's like all of them are doing common core math. We have common core math happening at the NIH, the CDC. But I'm going to refer you to an article I wrote on Tory Says, where I asked, hey, where's the whistleblower report from Tim Cunningham, who uh, was a sailor, was obviously able to swim being in the Navy, because you learn to swim if you are a sailor. And he turned up face down in a river two weeks after his disappearance, after telling people close to him, forget you ever talked to me, delete my messages pretend you don't know acting all strange and he's gone what if this coronavirus would have been more effective if and this is if that new push for flu vaccines in schools that started in 2018 was mitigated. I'm just going to leave it right there just as a little tidbit. Because again, this isn't just about saving the United States of America. It's about saving our children. I'm just saying, where is that whistleblower report? How did he die? And why did he have high density crystals in his pockets? That's just a question. So, uh, it, it, when we're examining the panic that is being spewed, the fact that, you know, Fredo is in his basement supposedly suffering for coronavirus, you know, maybe because the drug uh, hydroxychloroquine hasn't been tested, you know, he shouldn't take it. Why isn't he? You know what? How about someone ask him what medications he's taking? And verify that. I want a letter, since he's putting his whole trauma out on on full-blown blast, <laughs> and it, this, is, this could be a HIPAA violation, so he has to agree, but this is where you call him to the carpet and say, so Cuomo, you've got coronavirus, right? You're really sick, right? You had rigors. You're still doing your show, right? What medicine are you taking, boy? Uh, you know, uh, if you don't mind us asking, or you just, you know using oxygen, hydrating, are you by any chance are you using anti-malarial drugs and zithromycin, maybe some zinc? Uh, you know, these are questions we should ask him. These are questions people should be asking. These are questions people should be asking Andrew Cuomo, who's posturing for president because the Democrats are desperate. <laughs> Speaking of desperate Democrats, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders made an announcement today. I wonder which house he's going to grovel in. Take a listen to what he said today. 
Um, if it wants to play, hold on. Is it not? Doesn't want to play. Okay. Well, apparently he suspended his campaign and the struggle for justice continues on. Here we go. To every part of this country. And I want to thank all of those who made the music and the art an integral part of our campaign. I want to thank all of you who spoke to your friends and neighbors, posted on social media and worked as hard as you could to make this a better country. Together, we have transformed American consciousness as to what kind of nation we can become and have taken this country a major step forward in the never-ending struggle for economic justice, social justice, racial justice, and environmental justice. I also want to thank the many hundreds of people on our campaign staff. That all got duped again. That's basically it. So he's out. So we're pushing Biden. But at the same time, we have Newsom and Andrew Cuomo posturing for nomination because, you know, they're not going to have their convention in Wisconsin. Uh, Biden is a liability because he can't speak. And in the meantime, aside from the Democrats pushing uh, the new impeachment, which I said was in the document, which I said they had a committee with full subpoena powers, which every single Republican senator agreed to, which every single senator, the uh, congressman, excuse me, that was Republican, except one, except one, um, agreed to, to, for them to have a committee to oversee how he handled the coronavirus we're going to see new whistleblowers. I mean, Adam Schiff type personalities coming out. We have new Russia theories going on. Russia, 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 Russia. Russia's actually busy in Syria taking out ISIS. I mean, whatever's left of them. You know, the ISIS we created, uh, not we as in you and me, but you know, Hillary, Obama arming them all these years. Russia, on the other hand, they have their uh, um, RIM, right? RIM was designated a terrorist organization. I suggest we actually designate CNN, MSNBC, ABC, all of them as terrorist organizations because it's important to call them out for what they're doing. And that's terrorizing the nation. We should throw in Scarf Lady Burks and, uh, you know, our own Fauci, which by the way, if you guys think the president doesn't know, you're kidding. This is why he's putting them at the forefront. He is allowing, allowing them to parade in front of you. Everyone is praising them as experts. They know their stuff. They're so good. But the people are digging and the more they're digging, the more they're finding and the more they're finding, the more alarmed they are. And let me tell you something. If they come out with a vaccine, there is not one American that'll say I'm coming to. Well, I should take that back because there's still people that, you know, just hate President Trump so much. <laughs> that's They'll just run. We have people running to go get tested with the drop of a hat. Allergies run COVID. This coronavirus, this coronavirus, that's all you hear. Everything's coronavirus. I mean, after all, the CDC says to label everything coronavirus. It was effective theater, but it was awful. What a horrifying thought that was. As recently as last Friday, April 3rd, Governor Cuomo was threatening to use the National Guard to seize ventilators from facilities upstate. That's how badly New York needed them. Except 
it didn't need them. As it turned out, New York has many more beds and ventilators than it needs. Equipment, that's the protective equipment, uh, ventilators where uh, we are we are stretching and moving, but uh, every hospital has what they need to date. So miscalculations like the ones you just saw played out across the country in state after state. On March 14th, for example, the governor of Oregon, Kate Brown, warned that her state's 688 ventilators wouldn't be nearly enough to handle the coming surge of coronavirus cases. It turns out she got it backward. Oregon had more ventilators than it needed. So on April 4th, Governor Brown shipped 150 of the machines to New York, which, based on current trends, may not need them either. I don't think they're going to need a lot of them. Uh, You know, maybe they should just have enough ventilators that they've had to, you know, kind of meet the needs of hospitalized uh, transmitted (laughs) pneumonia that is the majority of the pneumonia cases that are in hospitals is because old people fall, slip, get surgery for their hip, their knee, whatever it is, and they get a pneumonia after being intubated, uh, you know, germs. It's bacteria. You can't see it. It's an enemy you cannot see. Unlike that the, the enemy right under our nose globally. It's not just in the United States. This is why globally they hate President Trump. He's thrown 150 million wrenches in all directions to all 181 documented language countries in the world, throwing their plans out. It's out. I'm not putting up with it, he says, and he's doing it. And you know what? He's doing it so well. Because I I don't think I would have the restraint that he has to let them parade all this garbage in front of the people of the United States. This is the time where we can all call them out and say, man, he just made you pull your pants down. He just did it. You know who else is pulling their pants down? All these royals, they're abdicating. Do you know what abdication is? So for my subscribers on Subscribestar, you can go find me, Tori says, on Subscribestar. The um, actual audio that I'm putting up uh, right after the show, uh, because I was trying to do it before, hence the audio issues, I guess, that we're having now, uh, (laughs) it talks about Greenland. And uh, last year on March 19th, I think I had a show where I was talking about Greenland. Now, a year to that, a year to that, obviously, we're in the midst of this, for what I say, the biggest, not, it's not a hoax because the, the virus is real, but the mortality, the mortality of the virus is not. So you have to think, geez, what do they have to gain? Think, what is the end game? Who, who, who is making, you know, bank on this? Who has something to gain? Who benefits the most from this coronavirus propaganda? It's so coordinated globally. It, it, it makes me irk. To think that there's people right now in Germany listening. There's people right now in France listening. Uh, you, you know, I have listeners around the world and I get messages, people in New Zealand and Australia, all frustrated, but we're all in the same boat. The only problem is, you know, your leaders are followers and we have a leader that is trying to make leaders out of your leaders. This is why he's such a good leader. This is why I label him as a planetarch, not because he's ruling the world, not because he's a president of the world, but because he's giving a hand to every single other leader in those nations to come up. Something that Putin tried 
really long time and totally failed because they've demonized him. You're done. You know, once someone says something about you and, the, and you know, everyone's kind of on the same table with the mainstream media and the UN and stuff, then you're done. But this is what's happening. You think President Xi, and I'm not going to say that he should be forgiven for what has been done under his watch. But he is really trying to liberate the Chinese national. I believe this and I see this from his actions. He is trying to, but how can you turn around and go against your master? Right? Because we created the Democrats created the communist China. Oh, and by the way, while Tucker was playing, we had a, uh, what was it? A panic uh, advertisement of the, Chinese communists came to our office to what pay your bills. I'm just saying because <laughs> that's, that's the truth. And nobody wants to talk about the truth. Uh, Reuters, another one, right? Let's just, let's just rattle them off. Sky news. Let's go. Let's go. BBC ask and see how much of their stock or interest or money they get from the communist party of China. Mm-hmm. Now, shifting a bit, we saw that Jack Dorsey, who is in Africa right now, who happened to leave the United States unexpectedly to move to Africa after his account was hacked, wonder what was in those DMs, uh, claimed that he's giving away one, you know, 28% of his personal fortune to fund something that Leonardo DiCaprio, who, by the way, is also linked to the Clinton Foundation, by the way, also linked to Epstein, by the way, also linked to the Bill and Melinda Gates, by the way, also you went really money to help feed the, <laughs> feed the hungry. Not only that, they uh, yesterday when I was on Twitter, I actually retweeted a tweet he put out. Okay, This was hilarious because now I see where the problem is. So I retweeted a tweet he put out and almost instantly I was flagged by Twitter to be a bot again. Oh, we just need to verify that you're not a bot for what? For retweeting instantly what, um, you know, uh, Jack Dorsey tweeted out. That's pretty crazy. That is pretty insane. And you know what he tweeted out? A new seed fund, a fund where people can invest to find cures or vaccines for coronavirus. Right. So let's just help them annihilate us. Right. Let's just help them do it. One actual, one a person on Twitter had a fabulous statement on this. So this that we are experiencing is the Enron on death certificates. Ha. Huh. That's awesome. Enron on death certificates. I loved it when I heard it. This is the Enron of death certificates. And you know, it's so easy. They make it so they're so dumb. They are. They're actually dumb because they even make statements like saying, skewing numbers is so dumb. No, it's not dumb. It's criminal. It's not dumb. It's terrorism. Your leader should be there giving you hope and telling you what strides they're doing to mitigate and remedy this. Your leader is putting out, hey, you know what? We don't have any medication. We don't have a vaccine. But you know what? These things are working, so let's do it. People are getting healed. Let's do it. Instead, they're fighting. Nope, we shouldn't do this. Nope, we shouldn't do that. Why aren't hospitals, like if I was the president of the Cleveland Clinic or the Mayo or Kaiser or New York Health, I would sit there and say every single person on staff, nurse and doctor, you have the option of taking hydroxychloroquine and Zithromax or just hydroxychloroquine for prevention. 
Kind of like you do when you go to malaria infested areas, right? You do it weeks in advance so that you have immunity. I would be doing that. See, India did that. India actually did that. India did that. And so now they have uh, realized that it works. France is realizing that it works. Russia knows it works. It's been doing it. Hence, their death toll is so low. My friend out in St. Petersburg yesterday was like, where you been? I can't believe that I saw your article floating around somewhere about the organ donations in Russia. They've actually translated it. And I'm like, yo, what's up? That's awesome. And, you know, he he was telling me how uh, they're actually providing medications to people that have a pneumonia, that have the flu, that they've been giving these retroviral medications, uh, not that Tamiflu rubbish, right? Because that's rubbish, um, but the actual good stuff. And you have to think, so numbers are lower in countries that are actually providing off-label usage for some medications, right? Because off-label, you do it all the time. Viagra was a heart medication until one patient went to the doctor and said, I can't get it down. And suddenly, you know, whenever a guy would come in with impotence, he'd be like, you know, this is for like blood pressure and for your heart. But if you take it, it kind of helps, I hear. And then suddenly they got, they, they, they saw that indeed it was helping people with erectile dysfunction. So this new heart, FDA approved only for heart and blood pressure issues medication suddenly became erectile dysfunction as well. So this is how things work. Sometimes pharmaceuticals work both ways. Losartan is for blood pressure, but they're using Losartan on certain patients, right? With COVID-19 because it acts on the angiotensin 2 receptors. So these are all the things that <laughs> we should be talking about, these great things. The questions reporters should be putting out is, how awesome is this? Do we have any other drugs that we've tried that may work? Any other, you know, do, is there a hotline, uh, you know, at Health and Human Services or at the NIH or the CDC or an executive hotline or an email where scientists from around the world, doctors from around the world, can say, I think that maybe we should try this combination. It can be something stupid like um, cyprofloxacin or, you know, flagyl, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, <laughs> inserts. These are the things that we should be doing. We should be uh, encouraging people to think outside the box rather than in the box. And all they want to do is not only put you in a box, but put you in your house in a box with no money, no food, no water, and then terrorize you that if you come out of that box, you'll die. So uh, without further ado, I wanted to play the interview with the president from yesterday with Sean Hannity. Uh, uh, there's a lot of good stuff here. Take a listen. The phone is from the White House President Donald Trump. Mr. President, uh, I know you've been busy. Um, I'm sure you never predicted this as part of any presidency. Thank you for spending time with us. Thank you very much, John. Let me stay on this issue of hydroxychloroquine. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to quote this board certified rheumatologist for Cedar sinai Dr. Wallace, who I think obviously He's been prescribing this now, as he pointed out, 42 years in practice. He's been the head of has one of the largest lupus practices in the U.S., currently caring for 2,000 people, most taking HCQ, 400 peer-reviewed papers, chairman of the Lupus Foundation of America, the Rheumatoid Research Foundation of America College, and, and so many other credentials. And he said, in 42 years, no patient of mine has ever been hospitalized for HCQ. And he said the risk of taking it and the doses they're talking about uh, in terms of a risk, he said it is nil, absolutely nil 
Um, and you have been getting hammered for saying, uh, what have you got to lose? Even the AMA saying, well, your life. Um, I don't know. I, he seems pretty credible to me, sir. Well, it's been taken from malaria for many years and very effective. It's a powerful uh, medicine. It's a powerful drug. But it's a drug that uh, for malaria, for lupus, for those two things in particular, I guess some people say arthritis, too. But it's been taken for years and uh, people are OK with it. It seems to be with the uh, zithromycin. That really seems to be the combination that's great. But that could cause a little problem. People don't know. But it might cause problem with the heart, in which case you don't take the zithromycin. That's for infection. But the combination, and some people add zinc, but the combination has been pretty amazing. You, you saw the woman, uh, state representative, a Democrat, state representative from Michigan, Detroit, and she thought she was going to die. And she saw what we were talking about, and she uh, asked her husband to get it, and she would have never known about it, and he got it. And uh, she got better. She thought she had no chance and she got better. She she's been very nice about it, actually. She I think she maybe might be a Democrat, but she'll vote for me, maybe. Uh, but she was very nice about it. So, you know, things are happening. It's a uh, it's uh, I haven't seen bad. I've I've not seen bad. And one thing that we do see is that people are not going to die from it. So if somebody's in trouble, you take it, I think. And it's being I used worldwide. Yeah. And it's being used worldwide. Let me I'm going to scroll a timeline of uh, the White House federal government, what they have done. Just this is just information for our audience at home. And I, I want to go back to 10 days after the first known coronavirus case. It was it was given a name on January 7th. The first known case in the U.S. was January 21. Your travel ban, which Joe Biden called xenophobic, hysterical and 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 fear mongering was 10 days after the first known case in America. What drew your attention immediately towards that um, when I don't think many people like the idea at the time? Tell us tell us why you moved that quickly, because that really has not been done before. Well, all you had to do is really look at what was happening in China. Uh, you took a look at what was happening in Wuhan province and it was terrible. It was, uh, you know, I don't know if they were shielding it or not, but they didn't do much in terms of shielding it because you saw the the death. There was a lot of death and uh, people coming into our country from China. And I was uh, I was excoriated by the fake news and by the press, by these people that are bad people. They're just bad people. They don't they cannot love our country. I can tell you they just excoriated and they weren't doing it for any reason other than it was me. If it was somebody else that did it, I think you probably would have had a much different reaction. But I closed it. And a lot of people didn't think and a lot of very good people didn't think I should have closed it. A lot of people in the administration felt I shouldn't close it. Many people, most people. And it was a very early move. And it turned out to save a lot of lives, fortunately. And then I closed also to Europe. And then I closed to UK, where Boris is hopefully recuperating. He's got a big problem, but hopefully he's he's going to get better. Well, yeah. We're, and by the way, even for anybody that has this, we have prayers. Let me ask you on a personal level. I, I saw. I mean, I've known you for you know twenty five years, and I remember the question about how you know what are you telling Baron, your youngest son, and you said it's bad. Um, Tell us how you feel about it now. Many, any subsequent conversations with him or the your rest of your family? 
You've been tested twice? I have. Uh, once you get it, I mean, if you're in the wrong group, if you're if you have a medical condition, if you're older, it seems that uh, older is certainly uh, prime time for this this uh, plague, this horrible uh, virus. But if you're in a certain uh, condition, which is not necessarily a good condition, it's vicious. What it does, it rips your lungs apart. It's a yeah. very, very, uh, it's a very tough thing to have. Very tough thing. You see that. I mean, you look at what's going on with the hospitals in New York and New Jersey. I was, I was watching a little while ago, and uh, it's, uh, it's terrible, terrible thing. The cure can't be worse than the problem. Uh, th- now, at some point, the we're going to get to May first, uh, reopening the country. Uh, I would imagine it might be a combination of opening it up geographically. Uh, would you consider antibody testing, temperature taking in a, for example, like a small geographic area like New York City with a high population of people? Obviously, a greater risk. You know, doctors are telling me it's not a matter if it will rebound, but when it will rebound. So you don't want to get back to a situation where you are are closing down the country again and the economy. So what are you thinking about the best ways, especially in like a city of New York? How do you open it up but not have a massive rebound? Well, we're starting to look at it very, very uh, thoroughly. And uh, we have some great people looking at it because we want to get this country open. We have to get our country open again. This wasn't designed to have this. You you crack it. You crack it in half. It's no good. And we'll be uh, open again much sooner rather than later. And uh, we're going to be uh, coming up with some ideas in the very near future, probably putting them out to the public, putting them out. But, you know, we're going till uh, we're going through April, as you know, April 30th. And we're going to make a decision from there. But if you look at some of these uh, slopes, if you would call them that, or or uh, topping areas where it's topping out, it could be very well topping or getting close to topping in New York and some of the rough areas. New Jersey, Governor New Jersey has done a terrific job. He's I just spoke to him. Uh, you have uh, a lot of people have done a terrific job, but this is something we've never seen before. So uh, I think we're reaching a level of uh, where it's going to start coming down, where it's going to start sloping down. Uh, the good thing is that uh, the number of beds needed, I think we were right about that. I was right. My group was right. Uh, they're not needing nearly as many beds as they thought. They're not needing as many ventilators as they thought. Uh, in fact, we just saw, in fact, I just saw in your show and a couple of other uh, people just reported back to me that Everyone is in great shape from the standpoint of uh, ventilators, which are very hard because they're expensive and they're big. It's like it's a, you know, it's a, and they're very high tech, uh, but they're very hard to get. And we're building thousands of them, and we have that in good shape. We're going to run. We have almost ten thousand in the stockpile, and we have our military ready, willing, and able. They'll be they'll be taking them wherever the wave goes, wherever the monster goes. We'll be able to go there uh, if we need them. So we're going to see, but we're in we're in great shape from the medicine standpoint. And by the way, the hydroxychloroquine, uh, we have millions of doses that I bought. I bought millions of doses, you know, for the country. The country bought twenty nine million. Direction. We have more than twenty nine million doses, and uh, that's a lot. And we have others. I spoke with 
Prime Minister Modi. They have uh, a lot of it comes out of India. And I asked him if it would be okay if he'd released it. He was great. He was really good. It was, you know, they put a stop because they wanted it for India. But there's a lot of good, uh, a lot of good things coming from that. A lot of, a lot of people are looking at it and saying, you know, there's, there's just, I don't hear bad stories. I hear good stories. And I don't hear anything where it's causing death. So it's not like something unsafe. You know, we're doing vaccines, Johnson and Johnson and others, and they're doing really well. But they have to test that, Sean, because when you uh, inoculate, when you, you give, uh, you know, millions of shots to people for a vaccine, it can, it's got to be safe. But this is something that's been on the market for many years, decades, actually. And it's worked very well in everything it's done. And they're finding that people that, uh, like in the malaria countries, that uh, it doesn't seem that those countries have been hit because the people take it. You have countries that have massive malaria problems and they take the hydroxychloroquine and uh, they don't seem to be having the problem with the the virus that uh, all other countries are having. You know, it's in 182 countries as of this moment. Think of that. 182 countries are fighting this plague. It's incredible. Let me ask you about, let me go back to the economy for just a minute here. And you've been saying it repeatedly in, in every one of your task force briefings and answering questions from the press that you, you want to get the country moving. We weren't built not to be moving like this. Uh, I know there's been talk of an economic task force. Art Laffer, who is a big fan of yours, supported the idea of a payroll tax. He wasn't as much in support of the relief package. Um, would you consider an economic task force? Would you consider geographically opening up certain sections of the country? Do you think in, in heavily concentrated areas like New York City, would there be some type of antibody temperature taking uh, tests without violating America's privacy concerns? Yeah. Well, first of all, Art Laffer is great. Great man, great economist, uh, with, was with Reagan. He looks like he's 25 years old, but he's not. He's a little hmm. older than that, but he's, he's aged well, I will tell that you might that. Make him a little, he, that might make him a little younger, yes, sir. Yeah, a little bit. But he's a great guy, and he's a, uh, he's a brilliant man in so many ways. And uh, I agree that the payroll tax cut would be fabulous. I think payroll tax cut, I think Art would agree. I'd like to have the payroll tax cut regardless of this problem that we just uh, that just arose recently so we're looking at payroll tax uh, cut that would uh, be almost immediate and it would be over a little bit of an extended period which is a good thing too and it would be you know be very quick we're having tremendous you know with the paycheck we're having tremendous uh, success with this plan uh, bank of america jp morgan chase uh, the big banks uh, wells fargo we were on with citibank Today, we had a call. Hundreds of thousands of applications are being processed, and many community banks, you know, hundreds and hundreds of community banks all over the country, they're doing this where, uh, you know, the loan goes out, it goes out to the small business, but they have to, one thing, and the one condition, they have to pay their people. They have to be able to keep their people on the payroll. Otherwise, it's a real loan, a real tough loan. But they're going to, you know, they're going to do that. It's been incredible how... How so far, I mean, I, I hate to say flawlessly it's three days, but it's way ahead of schedule. And in fact, we'll probably increase that because the money is going to be spent much sooner than we thought. And that's a good thing, not a bad Let's thing. Let's skip forward. See if of, uh, the euro is there a little bit, but the euro, euro is peanuts compared to the dollar. 
And we have a strong, powerful dollar. So when we go out for this, John, everybody wants to put it in, you know, they want to put it, they want to invest in the dollar. They want to invest in our country. So uh, we're paying zero interest rate. I mean, we're paying like zero. So this would be a great time to do infrastructure when you're paying just about zero interest rate. I mean, we never had anything like this, probably won't have another chance. But we we spent $7 trillion, now almost $8 trillion in the Middle East for just a, just a disgraceful decision that was made many years ago going into the Middle East, a sad decision. And uh, you want to fix a pothole, you want to fix a pothole on a highway, and they say, well, we don't want to do that, we don't want to spend the money on that. And yet we spent $8 trillion and millions of millions of people killed, if you look at both sides. And Thousands of our soldiers are great people, and uh, then we don't want to do our own infrastructure. No. Yeah, our infrastructure dictates just how um, not wealthy of a nation we are, but how coordinated we are. And so, uh, you know, it is it's it's pretty incredible to see, uh, you know, these these um, contrasts, compare and contrast. So it was enjoyable to hear him talk about this on air and have him kind of just, you know, say, you know, their numbers aren't there. He mentioned (laughs) my own numbers. Uh, I uh, just tweeted out and I'll put it on Facebook as well. I saw that there's an advertisement online by the Democrats on YouTube. They actually have a banner. And this banner clearly says, sign the petition to stop pro-Trump media from taking over local news stations. The Democratic, and it's funded by the Democratic National Committee. Now, I want you guys to know, the Democrats, the only thing they have to run on is power, corruption, death, and terrorism, and of course hate. Their basic fuel is hate. And the way they achieve this is with division, of course. So they terrorize the public daily. Daily, they terrorize the public. So you have to think, what is the primary benefit to keep public in mass hysteria? COVID-19. That is it. You know, Chris Berg is my man, right? And he put it out there and I made sure, you know, that he understood where I was coming from. We've been bantering for over a month. He's like, stop, this is real. People are dying. I said, I didn't say it's not real. The numbers aren't real. They need to keep us in mass hysteria. They need to keep us going nuts and not being able to think straight. Because when you're under panic, you do not think straight. When you're under stress, think. We're all in stress. We're all indoors. We don't have money. We're thinking about tomorrow. Debt collectors are still calling you. And what are they doing? They're hanging this, you're going to die. You're going to die over your head. So, um, that is how things go. That is how things move. Again, (laughs) How do they control you? How many times have I said this? Mass hysteria, they keep you in panic, full control. And that is how they get what they want done. People will be jumping at vaccines, but you heard the president. Uh, It's not just that. So uh, I just want to play a little clip about the New York um, portion of the discussion here. Take a listen to this. Center will, in fact, take COVID-19 patients on. You're building hospitals in New York and New Jersey and Westchester and elsewhere, Louisiana and other hotspots around the country. Uh, he sent uh, over 5,000 ventilators, all of the hydroxychloroquine that he could want. He, you know, um, but yet he 
was given a very strong recommendation by his task force to purchase 15,783 ventilators. And it was clear this is a predictable event. When an influenza pandemic occurs, this is your shortfall. And he didn't buy any. And he was at one point kind of yelling at the federal government to provide it. Um, you've done a lot for New York. I'm scrolling it on the screen. Um, why you, you know, usually you're a little more political than that. I was a little surprised. Well, I'm a diplomat, too. You know, since I've become president, I have to view things a little bit differently. Look, Andrew, I've known him a long time. He has a hard time getting the words out. Thank you. You did a great job. Uh, but he's been, you know, pretty good over the last uh, week or so. It's turning out I'm right because they wanted 40,000 ventilators, 40,000. And they're not going to need anywhere near that. And we said that. And now they have plenty. And if they needed some more, we can bring them some more because we have a stockpile that we've built up and that we have for emergencies. So, but, you know, we built the largest hospital in the country in four days. Uh, we just converted the ship because there were very few other accidents because people aren't driving cars. So you don't have car accidents, motorcycle accidents, nothing. So I just agreed. Uh, and we're doing this for uh, New Jersey and for New York. Uh, Governor Murphy of New Jersey has been very generous. He's been terrific. And He's doing a great job. Look, they're all doing a good job. Most of the governors, I could tell you a few that aren't doing a good job. There are a few that are doing a poor job. And we'll back the people where you have a bad governor. And you have some governors that are not doing a good job. But uh, you see, this is where age and experience come in. Rather than naming them tonight on your show, I won't bother. But there are some. But they're all, and they're all, they're all happy with the job that we're doing now. We turned out to be right. You didn't need as many beds as they thought. You certainly didn't need as many ventilators. And now if you see where the state of Washington and others, California, by the way, also doing a very good job, Governor Newsom, Gavin. Uh, so, you know, we've had a lot of we've had a lot of coordination. I've gotten along very well with Andrew. We're sending them, I think, far more than they ever thought. I didn't know uh, Mayor de Blasio. I've gotten to know him a little bit. We've got a very good relationship. He's working very hard. He is. He's trying very hard. To, it's a tough thing, New York City hospitals. And we've sent him a lot of troops. To what he wanted more than anything, he wanted the ventilators. We got them. Uh, but he wanted some. He wanted. He needed troops. He needed uh, medical troops. And we got him a lot. Uh, doctors, nurses, and uh, you know, it's very tough to get. Obviously, and uh, so we've gotten along very well with Mayor De Blasio. I think we've gotten along very well with Andrew, and uh, most of the governors. I mean, a couple I could tell you were wouldn't matter what you did. You could give them ten times more than they asked. If the if the newspapers called and wanted a quote, they'd give you a bad quote uh, because that's the way they are. You know, they're political animals, and it's uh, you know this is beyond politics. What we've been going through here. But the federal government, the Army Corps of Engineers and the uh, and FEMA, uh, they what they've done, I don't think there's anybody in the world could have done the hospitals that we built in Chicago, the hospitals that we, we built all over the country. We built a beauty in Louisiana in four days and worked very well with uh, John Bell. You know, John Bell Edwards is the governor there. We worked very well with him in Louisiana. That was a surprise because it sprung up from nowhere. It just came from nowhere. So I, I don't know. I think we've gotten really along. I, I got along very well with Andrew Cuomo, really. Well, think. So their numbers are wrong. They're dead wrong, right? It's being exposed as to what their real agenda is because we're seeing them push what? 
cheating. Again, I mean creatures of comfort, right? So first they were going to say, he's going to know that we're blowing this up. 25th Amendment, get ready. He's going to call us out. He didn't. He created a task force. Well, we're going to get him where we're going to say, you falsely stated that so many people were going to die. But he didn't. And he wants to open up the country as fast as possible. And they're telling him, no, you can't do that because they need mail-in ballots. They need people to cheat for them. They want to cheat and cheat and cheat again. And you know what's terrifying? Is that because they will stop at nothing? What? are they capable of? They are capable of jotting down and skewing numbers to keep you in fear. What will be next? I mean, how many times? I mean, this is, you know, they've tried this over and over again. So they're going to start impeachment and they've already started this committee demanding information on how this was being handled. Are you saying that he didn't do what you said? You wanted experts. He gave you your experts. You wanted numbers. He gave you your numbers, but you just couldn't get it done. So your plan failed. And since your plan failed, that is all you had to do was lie and cheat. And that is what's happening. On that note, I want to wish everyone a wonderful evening. God bless and see you all tomorrow. Same time, same place. 